Welcome back to the PRMG Loveland Podcast. We're here today with Jeremy Pope, Brent Hoffman, and Mike Hildebrand. And Mike, you're with EXP Realty, correct? I am, yes. Now, how did you get involved with these guys? I was actually introduced to Jeremy by a title company. Um, and I told the title company it was a waste of time. I would never switch lenders. Um, <laughs> Jeremy came in, he, he wouldn't leave my office until I gave him a loan. <laughs> I think that's about where we started and it's gone yeah. from there, right? He does a really good job. Um, we, get, we get asked by lenders four times a day to 10 times a day, right? Um, my brother actually just came up with the best line yesterday. He had a lender call while we were talking to another agent and the lender said, I, I can do better than your current lender. What does your current lender do for you? And Kevin said, well, he gives me $20,000 a month. And you heard silence on the other end of the phone. The guy said, okay, thanks for your time. That's <laughs> 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 the perfect way to right. end those calls. So, to make it super awkward. Yeah, so Jeremy, you can cut me a check at the oh end of the my. podcast Oh, my. <laughs> so $20,000, Jeremy, that's pretty impressive. No, 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 no. That's funny. But... Uh, on a more serious note, seriously, I did get introduced to him that way, and um, I, I've got a lender that I've used for years. I, you know, to stay compliant, we always try to give out more than one name, right? Sure. Um, the guy that I had used forever had gotten a little overloaded, wasn't returning calls. Jeremy swoops in, and everybody I send to Jeremy loves Jeremy, so it's pretty hard not to send people to him. You know, it's it's pretty rare to find a lender that actually cares about the the person more than just what loan can I put them in that I get the highest commission. Um, and I'm not saying all lenders do that, but some do, you know, but most of them, they, they look at the credit report and they say, okay, yeah, I can give you a loan. They don't take the time to say, hey, if you wanted to go this route, you would do a whole lot better in the long run. And that's what Jeremy does with everybody. So it's hard not sending people. Now it goes both ways. So Jeremy, why do you typically work with Mike? Oh, Mike knows his stuff. Um, and there's, there, we, we operate well because we kind of just stay in our lanes. Like, I think <laughs> this is a joke we have, like stay in your, like, the, you know, the tattoo commercial where there's, um, I don't know if it's progressive or something. And they're like, you know, Hey, stay in your lane, bro. Like the guy's trying to tell him how to give him a tattoo. And he's just like holding the needle. Like, are you serious? Like, it's good. Um, no, but like Mike knows enough to be dangerous on the lending side, right? And then I feel like I know enough to be dangerous on that real estate side, but we kind of just stick to what we do. And I don't ever worry about what's going on on that side at all. Um, it's, it's rock solid, um, just, just delivers really good service and, um, you know, kind of just walk to the finish line in tandem, I think, with, with the client, too. So it, I mean, it works. When I can tell you the truth about Jeremy there, he knows that once I write the contract, Allison, Robin, and Amy from my office take over. That's true. So he has nothing to worry about. He's worried <laughs> until I hand it off. <laughs> <laughs> you get the email of, hey, can you transfer me to Alice, please? Yeah. Oh, it's good to talk yeah. to you, too, Jeremy. <laughs> yes, that's how you know it's about time to transfer. I mean, that, that goes for, for both of us, you know. Um, you're only as good as your team, right? Um, can't do all this yourself. It's, it's super hard. You gotta rely on others, and I, he's got a wonderful team, and I, I think we do too, so it works. So walk me through how this relationship typically works out between the lender and the realtor. I mean, 
do the most people find the house and then they go and it's a transfer that way or do you find a lot of people trying to refinance or how does this typically work in your pipeline you know the first the first couple things i have to establish with every person i talk to is you know are you working with the realtor because i don't want to step by anybody's toes and two do you have your financing in place um there, there's a whole new scam actually i don't know if it's a scam or what it is but i'll get probably a half a dozen buyer people posing as buyers they'll text me i want to buy a house in cincinnati will you go come to me on this whatsapp they'll never talk on the phone they won't text anymore they'll just do the whatsapp but the best line i had a guy that asked and he says i want to spend between 1.2 and 1.8 million i think he said i forget the numbers and i said are you cash or financing and he's like he sends back come on bro don't hit me with multiple choice questions and I replied, I said, well, it was pretty simple. There was two choices, your cash or your financing. I said, there is no third option. And he said, I don't need any help with that. And I said, I need to know what you're doing. So to make a long story short, I tried to get him to Jeremy because before I take a buyer out look, and the worst thing you can do as a real estate agent is, is have a buyer say, I want to spend 300 grand on a house. You go out and you show them $300,000 houses. They qualify for 200. Now the 200s look junky to them because they've been looking mm -hmm. at threes. Right. So really it starts out, you know, we start out together pretty early because we get them to him right away and, and we get everybody ready, right? That way when they find a house, even in the market we're in now, you know, everybody thinks the market's changed a lot. It has changed, but it's still really competitive. To come in with a lender, one who I know did the homework to make sure they're okay, and two, on, on a lot of the deals, he's got the, the guarantee thing that he can do. That makes a buyer look really strong. So. Right. What's right, that guarantee right. thing? So it's, you know, we're doing an in-depth pre-approval to where, you know, we're, we're pulling credit, we're building an application, we're asking for those bank statements, W-2s, pay stubs, whatever it is, um, and actually having the underwriter look at the deal before there's a, a house. So it's what, it, you know, we, we leave the address as TBD to be determined. And then, um, you know, if the underwriter feels good about, you know, all of the income, credit, and assets, uh, we're putting a $5,000 guarantee behind it. So basically it's saying, hey, you know, if this deal doesn't close because of income, credit, or assets, which is what we should have checked, um, there's a few asterisks to it, right? Like they quit their job right before closing. I don't know what I could have done about that. <laughs> and, and, and stuff like that. But, um, you know, it's a, it, it helps them stand out to the seller because I don't know of anybody else doing that. Um, and it was really helping about six months ago to a year when the market was so tight. Um, you know, just kind of add to what Mike had said about the market. I think in certain areas it is softening, um, but then you have your, your hot spots, so to speak, right? And I think Loveland is one of those hot spots to where it's still buying a house in Loveland today is still like buying one six months to a year ago. It's mm -hmm. still hard. Um, other parts of the city, not as bad as it was, um, but it's a hot spot, so it's it's still a challenge. Um, you got to have a great realtor, and you got to have good lending, and you know if they work well together, well then you got the you got the um, the whole cake. I mean, nice. Now, Mike, looking at the hot areas and or the hard areas and the soft areas, kind of with a home market right now, what are you seeing around Cincinnati and Dayton? So the bulk of my business is kind of the northeast quadrant of Cincinnati. And consequently, that is most of the hot spots. You know, if, if you're in Loveland, if you're in Mason, 
um, Sycamore, you know, even as you go south, God, you get in Terrace Park, Marymount, all those, those are always hot markets, Indian Hill. But my predominance, the Loveland, the Kings, Little Miami, Mason, Sycamore, they're all still really good. Um, the, The biggest thing that's changed, you know, I used to joke a year ago and say an agent could have a really bad day and completely miss on price and the house is still gonna sell. Mm-hmm. The market would take the house to wherever the market said it's worth. Now agents are back to having to do their job. We have to get the pricing right. Um, some of it comes down to trust from sellers. I listed a couple houses week before last and we listed on the lower end of the spectrum of where comps could be. Multiple offers on both went 10, 15% over on one, 10% over on the other. And sellers are ecstatic because they were fine if we sold it what they listed at, but because we listed there and we listed it at a, at a good number, we got enough showings that, that actually the, the one list, I only got six showings, but I got six offers. <laughs> so solid. it worked out pretty good. Um, two of the offers knew nothing about the market. They were terrible. The other four were all competitive. So everybody was happy. So Realtors have to do their job again, and realtors have always done their job. I'm not saying they haven't, but we have to price houses. You have to do the homework. You can't be the you know the fly by the seat of your parents. Hey, Mister Mister Seller, how much do you want for your house? We have to say, here's what your house is worth. Here's what I would list it at if it were mine, and here's what you can expect price wise. You know, everybody's human. Right. We all miss, but for the most part, you if you do your homework, you'll be able to find it. That's that's crazy. You you brought this up. Um, had a conversation with an agent yesterday, and they had the house listed at a certain price. Um, it sat on the market a while, uh, and it was a condo, so it's a little easier to like kind of come up with value. I think on condos because you got to just look in the complex first. And the complex, you know, is is not usually huge. There's not too many sales, so you could you get a good feel right off the rip. And um, the buyer was able to ne- negotiate about twenty five thousand dollars below what they were asking, and it appraised for that number. But it would have not appraised for another dollar. It was it was maxed. I mean, this appraiser definitely put it to where like that that was it. It, it couldn't go more. And I made a comment about it like. Yeah, you would have never got list price. Well, how can you say that? Be like, well, look at the appraisal. It's right here. You know, and I was like, just curious, how'd you come up with the list price? That's what the seller wanted to do. Yeah. Like, okay. Um, I get it. Like, we also, you know, the client's always right, all of that. I get it. I get it. I get it. But if they, if they knew what they were doing, why do they have an agent? <laughs> so... <laughs> I get it, you gotta take the input of the client, but be a professional and also say, hey, you know, I gotta do what you wanna do, but I'm telling you, this is not, this is what I think we should do. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's what Mike does really well. Um, Let's the client kind of, you know, be involved, run the show, have to sit, you know, make decisions, but if they're way off, He's not afraid to tell them their way off. Yeah, an appraiser. That's, that's good. That's a good thing. Yeah, an appraiser is considered to be the one who knows how to find a value, right? Mm-hmm. I've never heard of an appraiser asking the seller, what do you think the house is worth? So it's pretty because simple. Because it's emotional, right? right. Because like, this is where my kids were raised. It's worth $100 million. Exactly. So how do you, that's a hard conversation to have. How do you have that conversation from both ends of the equation? You know, for the most part, most sellers are pretty realistic. Um, mm-hmm. I have one right now who happens to be a parent of a friend of mine, so it makes it a little bit tougher. 
um, who is out of, not out of his mind, but he's pretty far off on price. It's a great house. It's awesome. And it will sell if we get even remotely close to the price. And I sent him comps and I said, here's what it is. And he sent me comps and they all had four more acres than he's on an acre. And the houses he sent me were on five. And it is just not apples to apples. Mm -hmm. So, you know, every situation's different, but I try to show them, hey, here's how I came to this. You know, I'm not, I'm not making this up. I'm not guessing this is factual and here's what it is. And part of it too is knowing what an appraiser is going to look at. You know, we are still in a market where it's easier to find a buyer than it is to get an appraisal. So if an appraiser is going to come in and they're going to look at, at square footage, and that's, that's another misnomer. Um, Jeremy and I had a closing this week with some folks that bought in Mason. And they tried to buy a house a couple months ago in Crooked Tree. And the, the, the seller had bought the house a couple years ago and rehabbed it. Um, I don't think he's a fan of mine because I put in the feedback that they weren't happy with the workmanship. He called me. The seller did, not the agent. And he said, what's wrong with the workmanship? And I, and I mentioned some things. I said, here's what we saw wrong. And he's like, well, what's wrong with the tile work? And the tile work looked like it was done by children. I said, <laughs> I said, I don't mean to be mean, but my high school kids would have tiled better than what your tile guy did. Well, it turns out he did the tile, oh, so that was even no. worse. But my point to tell you that, he starts battling with me on price. He was overpriced. Now, we looked at this house two and a half months ago. It's still in the market, by the way. Right. So he starts sending me comps. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he's, he's got a Ryan home in Mason and he's sending me custom built houses in Mason and he's using these comps and he keeps talking about price per square foot, price per square foot. And it's not that scientific as an agent. You have to understand what they're going to put weight on, what they're not going to look at. You know, if, if you have titanium screws and all your switch plates, that doesn't change the value of your house. Mm -hmm. Right. But if you have, the, the, you know, $100,000 kitchen, that's probably going to help. Or if you got another thousand square feet. So, right. you know, I try to stay pretty factual with sellers. And, and there are some people that I don't see eye to eye with, you know, and they say, hey, we're going to go another route. And I say, that's your, you know, that's your call. I'm, I'm fine with that. I just beg that if you do go that way and you don't sell, please give me another chance. So who do you see eye to eye with? Who's your ideal customer? God, that's a great question. Nice people. <laughs> so that automatically eliminates what 40% of the population yeah so I just kinda, want nice sellers I don't know what the percentage of that is but <laughs> I get what he's saying yeah, yeah. honestly it's probably 99.1 really 1% yeah. of the people are, are unrealistic um, you know most people I mean everybody pays attention hey my sell, you know my neighbor sold for this and my buddy sold for that you know we were in a market there for what 8 months that the numbers people were looking for sometimes were absurd, but the market was absurd. You mm -hmm. could get that. Right. You know, the, I listed some houses. I walked out the front door. I said, there's no way this thing's going to sell. We had five contracts the next day. <laughs> I, I was wrong on that. And yeah. I, I had a couple of listings I went on. I thought the seller was wrong and they put them on the market and darn it, they sold. I said, well, I that, that market is, it's funny. We were all trying to apply logic to an un, you know, unlogical market. Yeah. So there was no, everything you knew was out the window. Anything's possible. <laughs> oh, it, it was, it was terrifying. Uh, right. I mean, like trying to buy or sell a house. We talked about this in the last couple of episodes too, is just everything was on the market and it would go so quick that you didn't have a chance and you were right. seeing things that, I mean, what, what did I just hear recently of how many of those houses actually were sold without an inspection? 
I mean, crazy. I thought that yes. was illegal. I didn't think you could do that, but I guess that's that's fine. Yeah, not good, but fine. So yeah. buyers were in a tough spot. They had no choice. You know, if the sellers got even three contracts for their it, less than ten was rare, right? right? But even if they had three contracts, you're one of the three. The other two aren't going to do an inspection. Unless you waive inspection, you're not even in the ballpark. So it, the buyers didn't do it because they didn't want to. They didn't have a choice. And, and realtors, I n- would never tell anybody to buy without doing an inspection. But there for a while, I had to say, if you guys want this house, you don't have a choice but to buy it without inspection. And I don't suggest you do that. But if you want it, you know, it's a hard con- that's a harder conversation to have than pricing. Mm-hmm. Because then a month later, they call you and say, hey, uh, uh, I got leaks in like 12 different places in my house. What do I do? So I'm exaggerating, of course, but I've gotten calls from people in the last six to eight months telling me problems they had with the houses that they bought. You know, one spectacular customer, great people, um, spent a ton of money on the house in the millions, and we were up against three other offers. Bought it without inspections. Uh, they put a septic system in it the first month they lived there. So that's a pretty big expenditure Absolutely. for a house that you move into a month earlier. He sent me a video. Yeah. They had a river coming out in their basement out of the, out of the sewage lines. Oh. Um, in a million dollar oh, house? Yeah, gosh. a million five. Oh. So fortunately, successful person, he was able to handle it. But he, he wouldn't have gotten the house if we had inspected and getting the house and taking that on was worth more than not getting that house. It was a house that we will probably not see come up in five or 10 years, right? right. It was a rare set. It was, so it was worth it, but that's a hard phone call to get. It was 1030 at night, I think, okay. when he sent me that video. And I, I see the video. I thought it was one of my tenants. Like, Holy cow, I got to get out of bed and go fix this. And I saw who it was from. But he had no choice. We wouldn't have gotten the house without it. There were some funny memes going around at the time on social media. Mike and I have talked about this. Um, I distinctly remember one, and it was the dialogue of a buyer and their agent. You know, hey, I want to go go fifty grand over asking price, waive the home inspection. Um, if there's an appraisal gap, I'll bridge that. Right. And oh, make them the beneficiary of my life insurance (laughs) policy as well. And so the agent, of course, it's dialogue. The agent then says, oh, hey, I'm sorry you didn't get it. Yeah. (laughs) And the buyer is pulling their hair out. Like, what do you want from me? I'll give you everything. (laughs) Uh, It was it was it was rough. Um, But um, that's why, again, it comes down to to having the right people on your side, you know. And it's Um, it's sorry. You can get, a, a, you know, many banks will give you a loan, right? Or, but are they going to advise you or, or correctly or are they just, you know, paper pushers? Um, and the same thing with real estate agents, right? So the right people on your side is kind of what you mentioned. So what's the right person that you're looking for for a realtor? Um, someone that I think can be honest with you. Um, someone that's not afraid of the word no. Um, too many people are kind of order takers, right? Like, you know, okay, what uh, everything you say is okay, sounds great. Well, sometimes no, like that's not what we should do, right? Uh, we we touched on that a little bit earlier of just um, 
you know, being the professional, they, mm-hmm. they, they hired you for a reason. Give them, give them all you got, you know, and, and have, don't be afraid of tough conversations um, because they're necessary sometimes. Brent, what about you? What do you typically look for for a realtor? Having experience is definitely the most important thing because you've seen and ran into so many of these problems. And like we have so many different market cycles. So a lot of what we've been talking about is it's been crazy in the last six to eight months. But we can also draw back on some parallels that we had five, ten years ago with similar problems. So like the team that Mike and Jeremy have, it's the market's crazy. Here's ways to win. And then Jeremy can help you on the financing. Here's unique ways for your offer to be different than everyone else's. It had been so easy to buy and sell real estate. There have been thousands, even in Cincinnati, of real estate agents. And you always hear that a lot of them don't succeed. Well, it was too easy. Same thing for lenders. There's a lot of lenders that have no loans going on, so they'll call agents 100 times a day and say, <laughs> I'll be better. Truthfully, how? You know, and How are you going to accomplish some of those things? So um, by having uh, an idea and knowing what you can do to be different is what's going to set you apart. And that experience is what, it's what's going to do it. You've seen it, and you know how to help guide them through those problems. Well, Mike, flipping the equation, what do you look for for realtors? For realtors or for lenders? Oh, sorry, for lenders. For lenders. <laughs> or realtors. Hey, yeah. you know, just to say how it plays. <laughs> the thing for me in lenders is, is the care. Um, you know, I want to know that when I hand someone off to a lender, that they actually care what's going to happen with that person, right? And that they get them the right loan. I think there are people that I've sold houses to, unfortunately, that got a loan that probably should not have bought. You know, so I need somebody who's going to look at stuff. Um, I'll never forget, 20-something years ago, I had a couple. I started out showing them here in Loveland. They lived down in Clifton. They had a house that overlooked downtown Cincinnati. They had one of the premier lots on this street. Um, Told me about all the money they have and about how they both come from money, and they're looking at big houses back then. I get into my lender, and she had three, I don't remember the number, 300-and-something thousand dollars worth of credit card debt. And the lender called me and she said, I've never seen anything like this. They were upside down on the house that they lived, even in the late 90s. Um, So my lender called him and said, you guys have no business moving right now. You need to stay where you're at. And pay off $300,000 in debt. None of us, I've never heard of that before. I've never heard of it since. That's that's wild. It was unbelievable how many credit cards and how much she owed. So that was why I used that lender. She, She made that call. You know, they may have gone to somebody else and gotten a loan. I don't know if they went through foreclosure. I, I never followed, right? It, but it wasn't the right thing. Mm-hmm. So I want a lender who's going to take the time to make sure that one, we're doing the right thing. But two, accessibility. Um, actually, Jeremy got a phone call in Rosewood. Um, mm-hmm. I was up against other offers, and the lender called him. And he answered the phone at, uh, it was 8 or 9 o'clock yeah. on a weeknight. Yeah. You know, or so. there, there are lenders that if you... Not, I could never mention a name. Most lenders, if you call them after hours, you're not going to get them, right? It's normal. The, the great ones, yes, you will. But, you know, these guys are always accessible. Um, they're willing to help. Those are the big things for me. And, of course, giving them a good loan, right? Right. Yeah. $20,000 a month in commission. <laughs> $20,000 all the way back to the beginning. Right like if the real estate commission's listening that was a joke <laughs> <laughs> the disclaimer 
<laughs> all right. Well, all joking aside, I think that's a wrap for this episode of the Loveland PRMG podcast. Tune in for this next episode where we'll continue to grill Mike. I think even let Jeremy and Brent take a turn this time around. Talk to you next time.